your concrete. You made this? Turn it up. Turn it up. <laughs> So you're a big Kobe fan then, right? Like mama. Yeah. Are you a Laker fan or just a Kobe fan? She used to be a Warriors fan. Last time I checked. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They grew up just, in the Bay. We just got destroyed. <laughs> by the Lakers, so. That's the, the whole Iona family. All Lakers. Yeah. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Prolific Roots. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in. And if you forgot my name, it's Monte, and I'm here with my host, Malosi. How's it going? What's up, everybody? <laughs> yeah, welcome. We have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Amber Johnson. 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 She's married. Sorry. Married now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost said her maiden name. I apologize to her husband. <laughs> well, maybe we'll edit that out. But um, but yeah, um, very excited about her story. Um, She's a good friend of Malosi's, and Malosi shared her story with us, and you know we were definitely eager to get her on the show to you know share her story with you guys, and just at a high level, Malosi, go ahead and um, you know break down what it is that Amber does now, and then we'll go and start from the beginning and lead you guys on the journey of what it took for her to get where she's at now. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you, Monte, for opening us up there. <laughs> I got you. Um, Again, thank you, Amber, for, for being here with yeah, us. We really do appreciate me. you. Yeah. Um, just to kind of, before we let you introduce yourself, we just wanted to tell the people what we, we think about you. We, like Monte said, spoke highly of you, have always thought very highly of you. And um, for those that do know Amber, she is a very successful young woman, very young too still, and very high uh, within her sure company. I'm a little there. younger, but. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? So, um, but yeah, so. Go ahead and, and just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you know what you do, who you are, and, and where cool. you're at now. So, cool. Uh, right now, I'm a mother. First off, you know, mother and wife. Uh, after that, what I do is I, I obsess over work. Uh, I'm a director of sales at an up and coming tech company here in the local area. We're in Utah right now. If you didn't know, um, grew up in the Bay Area. We moved to uh, Arizona when I was about 12 years old. And uh, felt like we didn't really quite move there because we kept going back. Um, but we moved to Arizona, and uh, here we are. I've, I've actually I've moved to Utah because I went to BYU, got accepted to BYU. I was really surprised. I think it's because I was brown. And uh, that definitely helps. <laughs> I think that's why I got accepted. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I uh, moved out at 18, and I've been in, here in Utah ever since. Nice, nice. So I know it's kind of a brief layover. I can get it as deep yeah. as you guys want me to go, and and uh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, it's not a, um, very often we hear of, you know, Polynesians in a position like that, being a director of sales, especially, you know, at a young age like that. And so we definitely want to get into what it took to get there. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with, you know, in your eyes, like where this journey begins, like, you know, what are like maybe some of the defining moments of your life? For sure. That's a deep question. Right. Uh, Finding moments. Um, so like I said, we grew up in San Jose on the east side of San Jose. I actually knew Ricky and his family and, uh, you know, growing up. Shout um, out to Rick. He's, he's actually our, our third host of uh, Public <laughs> Roots. So, yeah, yeah, that's who she's referring to there. But <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, growing up, there's a lot I have to say about that. But the reason we moved to Arizona, uh, really, my parents got divorced. Uh, we moved to Arizona for that reason. And then my mom got remarried and... Uh, we needed a fresh start. 
mm-hmm. right? But I think a lot of people can relate to their parents getting divorced, and and uh, something I don't talk about very often is my father actually wasn't a part of our lives for at all, really. After that, uh, it's really really difficult to deal with. I'm sure a lot of people can relate relate to that. So, Monty, when you asked about defining moments. I'd say what drove me for a lot of my life is I wanted to make my dad regret not being a part of my life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, That's definitely powerful. Like, I do that with, like, all my exes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you for sure going to regret. Like, but don't, tell, don't tell my wife that. But, um, <laughs> no, that, that's powerful. How, and you said you were 12 years old when you guys moved yep. to Arizona? Yep. Okay. And you, and I'm assuming you have siblings as well, right? How many? There's yeah, yeah. Five or I'm the youngest of five. Five. Yeah, three okay. older sisters, one older brother. And all of you guys moved to. We all Arizona. moved. Okay. Yeah. That's that's pretty deep. I so kind of a, I mean, not a similar situation, but we moved to Arizona for when my grandfather passed. So we were yeah. in Bay Area as well, and we moved to Arizona. It seems like that's like a big thing. When I moved there, it was like, uh-huh. yeah, there's probably a new family from California moving here every year, um, and now everybody's moving to Utah, but. It's cheaper um, too, right? Yeah, definitely. Way cheaper, yeah. So what what was life like moving to Arizona? Um, what was, you know, growing up? Was this, is this where you thought you would be? Like, Yeah, it's culture shock. And yeah. for anybody who's moved over state lines, especially you go from, you know, Bay Area to, to pretty much Utah, which Arizona, if, if you know Gilbert, Utah, it's pretty much like, or Gilbert, town, Arizona, yeah. it's like Utah, yeah, right? Yeah, so definitely. There's big culture shock there. Uh, you know, a lot of my siblings had a hard time with it. I think we all did. I think anyone would. You know, moving moving like that, um, but I but I believe that that was that challenge was an opportunity to understand how do you adapt, right? right? How do you how do you how do you adapt? You know, you can't stay there miserable forever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and at a young age, you, yeah, you got to learn how to adapt. And even before that, I want to actually take it back when we lived in San Jose. My siblings and I we lived apart for a bit, and and it grew. I grew a deep 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 appreciation for my family mm-hmm. who supported us in that and mm-hmm. you know they always say never forget where you come from and that's why family's over everything right. right i'm so deeply devoted to my family because during that time when my family's going through you know some some rough patches as most families do my siblings split up and we go to live with my aunties and uncles and you know i love them for that yeah. and uh i think again a lot of polynesians can relate yeah, definitely. sometimes they move from Samoa, you know, to LA or Compton or Long Beach, and you know they're not with their family. Yeah, yeah. You know? uh, that it it's crazy how um, I feel like it, when you're raised in like a single parent home, which I'm guessing you were for you know at least some period of time, um, how it makes you like appreciate your family more. For sure. Because you like I've seen stuff on I don't know maybe it's just TV, but it's like the um, like, people always, like, choose their friends over their family. Right, right. And, like, for me, I don't know if it was me, because, like, I grew up, you know, military brat. I was moving around all the time, so every time I move around, I only got me and my brother. Right. right? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, we, we rock together, and, you know, you know, we know at the end of the day, we all we got, right? Right. And, you know, like, a lot of kids don't realize, like, they, they choose their friends over their family, but half the time, like, the, the friends you have in high school, after high school, you, you don't see them no more. Yeah. Right. And then when you run into rough times, your friends ain't going to be there. It's your family that's going to be there. Actually. Yeah. And a that's lot, I mean, that's Polynesian culture, right? Yeah. I mean, you, 
It's all family. Yeah. Family. At the end of the day. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the yeah. big thing. Polynesian culture is, is family over everything. Um, and I, to go back to what Monte said is being in a single parent family it, or in a single, fam, a single parent home, it almost forces you to grow up faster than, yeah. than most people. And so um, you have to be the one that takes care of your siblings if you have siblings or maybe it's your cousins, right? You have younger siblings or whatnot um, or their cousins that you call siblings. And so, yeah, that definitely is um, – a big root of, of our Polynesian community is, is family. So, yeah. Something I want to highlight too, you know, coming back to, to defining moments, right? When you, when I lived apart from my siblings, right? As a, as a kid, you, I felt at least, I don't know how my siblings feel, but I felt a huge inconvenience and it's, it's a root cause for why it is that I strive to be so dang independent. Right. Something I don't talk about a lot with my right. family and you know, why I want to be the strong independent woman truly stems from my childhood of uh, I feel inconvenient. Right, I feel right. like I'm the biggest inconvenience. I got to, I got to rock up their bills. I'm sitting here using the water. Right. And even though I never expressed that as a kid, it comes out in the way that I act right yeah. later in life. And again, a lot of people can relate to this. So that's why I'm being a lot more vulnerable than I normally would be. But, but uh, it, you know, a lot of the way that we are today stems from our childhood. It's just a lot yeah. of people don't talk about it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, especially within, you know, the poly community, when that happens, there's not very many people who have that same mindset as you because you see a lot of like freeloading or you see a lot of entitledness, right? Or, or you know, people who are entitled, especially when it comes to the, the family matters. Um, what were some of the things that separated you or because I don't I feel like that's not the norm for someone to, to, to feel like how you felt and say, you know what? I'm going to make sure that you never wanted to feel like that again, right? You never wanted to feel like you were in the way. And so you wanted to be that independent person. What were some of the things that, that led you to that? Would you say it's like your parents or your, your mother, or was there yeah. a, a certain person or a mentor or someone that you looked sure. up to? I'd say my mother's very independent, right? You look at my mom. If anyone knows my mom, they'll know she's pretty direct. Right. <laughs> uh, she also, you know, she's a hustler. She makes it work. And in fact, my father is an entrepreneur at heart, you know, and in, in my eyes, I saw that that's in my blood. Right. So if I got to go figure it out, mm-hmm. like there are no excuses to sit there and not eat, not pay bills, right? right? It, you got to go figure it out. And that mentality was kind of struck in me at a very young age because I see my mother being that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, outside of that, Kobe, you know, rest in peace, Kobe. Kobe. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about him. I might cry, <laughs> but... But Kobe was that idol for me, right? I mean, we think mama mentality, like, growing up, such a big idol because he demanded excellence out of everyone, (laughs) himself. And I I looked at that as a kid. Like, I mean, I I, I listened to all his interviews. Right, right. Listen, every single time after the the game's done, I'm waiting for him to talk. (laughs) Because I'm like, teach me. Teach me, sensei, Right. right? And, um... He demanded excellence, and so I'd say my mother and Kobe Bryant, in a strange way, I've never met the man, but had that had that influence on me. Nice, for sure. And I, and I was hoping you said that because I knew that about you that you were one of the biggest Kobe fans. And shout out to Amber here; she is an Iono, so that's that's her family. And shout out to the Iono family; they're huge Laker fans. From the time that I've met them, that's those are probably the two biggest things I noticed about them is that they can cook and they love sports. Um, and so in Lakers and Niners, that's, that's, that's their bloodline right there. And so 
Um, it's amazing what someone like Kobe Bryant could do to a young girl like you when you were growing up to, to instill that mama mentality in you, which you didn't know probably what it was at the time, but now you can pinpoint what it is. So, yeah. so, so as a kid, did you like start off playing sports or what was, were you always dreaming of becoming like a sales director or no. Gosh, like, no. what was your what was your dream like <laughs> I actually as a child? used to want to be I was like Gigi right I, I wanted to be in the WNBA <laughs> right. straight up like when I was little that's all I wanted to be <laughs> and it wasn't necessary about it wasn't about basketball right mm-hmm. it was about the challenge it was about being great it was hard yeah. right um so yeah I played sports at a very young age my whole family like my mom yeah, she put me in sports and something I'll be forever grateful for. D- teams and sports is the best analogy to life. Yeah, truly is one true. of the best analogies. And for that, I'm very grateful. Um, you know, you have to learn to be unselfish. Yeah. Right. But those things come line upon line, precept upon precept. You know, just learn that, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> coming right out the gate. But, uh, but yeah, I was a part of sports growing up. Nice. So, like, at what point did you transition from – was it, you know, you got cut from the varsity team and realized, all right, I'm not making the WNBA or it wasn't? Uh, that's a good point. Um, no, I actually made varsity my freshman year, played all four years on varsity, um, and I lost passion along the way. Really? I, to be honest, I, I don't know what happened, <laughs> why I lost passion. And I think it's the boys because in <laughs> maybe actually that, you know what, that is probably part of it. But I, I'd say, my perception of, I think I lost passion because I, about basketball, it's kind of like Lala in this, in this last episode. If you haven't watched the last episode, you should go watch it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, but it's kind of like Lala where I felt like I, it was starting to be an obligation. Yeah. It wasn't an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right. When you look at things as an opportunity, you're waking up, you're right. excited. But if you wake up and you think, oh damn, I gotta go to work again, or I gotta go practice again. I mean, start to put in half the effort right. right so somewhere along the way my mindset changed about basketball and and something i actually really regret regret yeah you know <laughs> that i started to see it that way yeah uh, yeah i talked about yeah. i talked about that a little bit on our facebook group like if there's one regret i have in my life is that i quit playing basketball in high school yeah and so and i didn't even quit until my senior year. i mean i played all four years yeah and i was done yeah that's so, like, at that time, did you see, like, you had a passion that was growing for something else? Or it just, like, were you like, man, I'm not feeling this anymore, but I don't know what I'm feeling. Um, in high school, I was, in fact, all the way till I was a little girl. I, I mean, so to describe who I was as a little girl, I used to be in my room like a nerd. I, ha- I would have this uh, sheet of times tables, mm-hmm. and then I would study it. <laughs> and I'd want to memorize all of it. <laughs> It's why I'm truly an introvert at heart. You know, I'd be in my room, sitting there, be all proud of myself. Like, oh, I memorized the times table till 16 times 16, right? Yeah. And and that, I kind of, I didn't realize that in high school, but that carried on with me that my level of attention to detail, mm-hmm. to want to learn the details, which is why I'm obsessed with Kobe, because mm-hmm. he's all about detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out, and it didn't come out in sports. I didn't put two and two together that I could relate that same skill set to sports mm-hmm. up until I got to college. You know, yeah. which is why I have a regret. Had I put that same mentality to sports on detail, right. I believe it would have been different. Nice. You know? I okay. don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So then, I guess uh, high school, you know, you graduate, then what happens? BYU. 
I yeah. got accepted to BYU, uh, probably because I'm brown. You know, they needed a the diversity mix, you know, there at BYU. <laughs> and so I, I uh, moved out summer, at 18 years old. Okay. Did well, you, was like uh, college always the plan for you or? Yeah, it was. And it was because that's all I knew. Yeah. <laughs> right? So was that, was yeah. it, did you have a plan as far as what, what did you go to school for? What did you study? I started going into accounting. Okay. Um, the reason I chose accounting, it wasn't because I loved accounting. It was because I loved the idea that I could know how to handle my money, right? Growing up, as many of you can relate, when you live paycheck to paycheck and you see your parents doing that, you know, not that my parents did, you know, we were rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you start to wonder, like, man, how can I be better, right? right? How do I change that? And I was just searching for a way to change it, and I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, oh, accounting's great. Right, right. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't work that way, I learned. <laughs> yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about school then. So what happened? Because did, did you finish school or? I did not. No. <laughs> Sorry. We no. got a college dropout here. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that, actually. Even people I work with, they don't know. So I had, that's a long story, but, but and I'll probably dive into that in a little bit, but uh, I dropped out of school at, at BYU with three classes left to get my degree. To get my, I ended up uh, in economics uh, with a finance major or a finance minor, and I was three classes away from getting my degree and being able to put it up on my wall and <laughs> be all proud. And, um, and yeah, I dropped out. That's crazy. <laughs> and so, what? Did, why did you drop out? Was there a specific reason for that? Or yeah, I, I wanted to go. I wanted to go start a company. I wanted to go help start a company. Um, I got really blessed to have a contact. I worked as a sales rep, worked my butt off, yeah. uh, got noticed, was blessed to be noticed. And, and this said person who owned that particular company uh, asked me to help him go start another company. And at the time, I had three classes left. Yeah. And my personality, especially for those who know me, I'm all in or I'm all out. Right. I can't do, I can't half-ass anything. Right. <laughs> and so I, I remember I was sitting in an econ class. It was legal economics or something like that, law economics. I was sitting in there at 8 a.m. in the morning. And then I would go to work right after that and work a 12-hour day. And not because doing I had sales. to. And it was doing sales? At the time, I was a uh, director. Oh, okay. Sales. So, I, yeah. I was promoted to director. Okay. Right. Uh, so... I was doing these things where I'd go to class and then I'd work 12 hours. I'd go to class, I'd work 12 hours. And I did that for about a month, you know, my last semester. Right. I remember that day like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I remember I went to class 8 a.m. And I'm sitting there learning about the stupid model. He's <laughs> drawing it up on the board, right? Typical looking professor at BYU. And, and, a, and a student raised his hand and asked, does anyone use this model anymore? And, and the professor goes, no. But we got to learn it anyway. Yeah, that's, that's cool for you. Yeah. And I remember thinking, "What a waste of my time! <laughs> like, what the hell am I doing? Right, right. <laughs> uh, why am I in this classroom?" <laughs> and I remember that was the moment that I realized I'm doing this just to go through the motions. Right, right. Like, right. why am I really doing this? And uh, it was hard after that. I had to tell my mom. <laughs> she wasn't very happy. She wasn't yeah. happy at all. Well, mm-hmm. we want, we'll go back. We'll get back to that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to go back because to emphasize this point of how you were able to like get in good with this this owner dude at the company. Because one, like you mentioned earlier, you're an introvert. 
and for my eyes, introvert and salesperson don't really uh, yeah. go together. Yeah. And so how you managed to pull that off, you know, I think it would be interesting to hear that. Yeah. Well, door-to-door sales. So in college, uh, I mean, my first job was in a bakery, $7.25 an hour. I was so, so happy. I was like, <laughs> man, I'm going to make money. Right. And uh, so at this bakery, I would go walk. It's a BYU bakery. So I'd, I'd have to walk because I had no car. Right. It would take me 45 minutes to walk there in the morning at 4 a.m. And I refused to ask any of my friends for a ride because I was stubborn like that. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to make it happen. So my first job was a bakery. And then I start to meet people at college who are making way more money than I am mm-hmm. doing this summer sales thing. And I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? You know? They're like, oh, you should come to a, a little training. Seminar yeah, right? training. Like, I'm like, ah, okay. So I go, and they throw me in there to do a role play. Mm-hmm. I sucked so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was so bad. I was moving my arms all over the place. Like, and uh, my confidence level was really low. Again, because I'm an introvert. I'm like, I'm a customer service person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was the beginning of it all. And, and the reason why I pushed myself to just go ahead and go out for a summer is because I believed if that person can do it, then so can I. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that for sure. <laughs> it's a leap of faith. Right, right. So I went out, um, and truthfully, because I was making $7.25 an hour. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about the money. It was about the challenge, right? When you go to the bakery, you're doing the same thing stuff every day it's so boring mm-hmm. right do the mix carry the bags <laughs> make the donuts <laughs> and i got so tired of it and i'm not felt, so happy anymore about making donuts <laughs> no i mean i was eating them too right. and, I, and i was gaining weight i literally <laughs> i'd bring all donuts these will donuts. do that to you <laughs> yeah i kept getting, taking cookies and and i just felt like man i'm like becoming fatter and i'm not i'm also not challenging myself and and summer sales sound like sounded like something that was just a huge challenge Big, hairy, outside your comfort goal. zone. Yeah. Way outside my comfort zone. So I go and I sucked for my first week. Zero sales. That's crazy. <laughs> I was so scared to knock. You know. So anyway, uh, Monte, coming back to your question of uh, you know, how did I get there? <laughs> little by little, yeah. one inch at a time mm-hmm. over a whole dang summer. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, that that is definitely interesting. Like if you if you watched Lala's episode, he talked about when he first started tattooing, he sucked. Yeah. And it's just crazy to see that kind of thing, you know, coming up again. It's like, you know, maybe you start something and at the beginning you suck. But if you keep, you know, persevering through, you know, the challenges, then ultimately then you can become great. Sure. Yeah, I mean, on the doors. So the way that I learned to sell, because the following summer I co-team led. Like I actually did a team team. I recruited a team. I helped to recruit one. And what got me there, coming back to your point, just like Lala, I studied the details. I would watch. So, so I, I worked at Altera for those of you, you know, active now, and they had videos of reps of the top reps selling. Mm -hmm. And I would watch their every move. I would pick the person that I felt like I could be most like in their intonation, their hand gestures, their smiles or head nods. And I started to study every little detail and I focused on it. And all I would focus on every day wasn't uh, to get a sale. It was do good in my head nods. I want to control that. <laughs> right. Like when I go on my illustrators, I want to go really slow. <laughs> like, like, and I wanted to be control over in control over all of it. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean, again, 
the inches we need, they're everywhere around us. We just got to focus on right, them. Right. So over a summer's time, when you can imagine, you get 1% better every day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you know, a whole summer later, you're better. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Taking those reps. That's, yeah. that's important. I mean, attention to detail is so, it's crazy, right? Like you think of pretty much anything, any profession, it can be a sport, an art. Those attention to details can make the biggest picture. I, and I kind of, I want to relate to art because you ever see those art pictures where it's like, oh, it's Kobe's face. And then you zoom in and it's a bunch of pictures of yeah. little pictures of Kobe. And you're like, mm-hmm. how did they like those little uh, details? Yeah. yeah how, do, how does someone in their mind think of that? Mm-hmm. And then they're able to create something so big. And that's essentially what you were doing with mm-hmm. the summer sales is each day you were doing little pictures. One, what one percent every day. If I can get better one percent every day by the end of the summer, you know, 90 days, I'm 90 percent better than I was when I started. Sure. So that's huge. Major. And so, okay, so back to where we were. So now you, is this the same company with the owner that you were cool with? No, this is right after. Because you, you were asking earlier, like, how did I come to get noticed, right? Yeah, right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, it, and it, that had to happen before I knew how to do that, right? Right. Because after summer sales, what I took from that is the level of attention to detail and how right. truly impactful it could be. So then I go work for this company with the said CEO mm-hmm. that we talk, we're talking about. And I knew I took that same principle to understand in my sales role how I would do. Mm-hmm. I broke everything down, mm-hmm. right? And, and again, I, I focused on being great in my own role. I wasn't trying to chase after titles. I wasn't, oh, I want to be in that position. I want to be a manager, a leader, which all of us do it sometimes. But I didn't, I, f- I felt very confident that just like in the doors, if I could do my job great and be great at it and annihilate essentially mm-hmm. and be the greatest and doors will open yeah and i had to trust up okay so then um it definitely opened yeah so (laughs) you're killing it at this this company and like this is a marketing agency you know company that we were working at yeah so at at this time is school like um like because you had mentioned earlier like your your drive to like be in school like at some point you realized school wasn't really for you like is this at the same time, you're, is, you're starting yeah. to master sales and realize, like, man, maybe I should just do this instead. And yeah. I think the realization came from I'm a hands-on learner. Yeah. That's what the doors taught me. That's what being in sales taught me is I, I'm not a – everyone learns differently, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, I, I can learn – I could be a book learner. I've learned to study really well. But what I enjoyed most, and it was more about passion, mm-hmm. was just learning. I'm a hands-on person. Yeah. And I didn't feel I could do that in class. Right. Cool. Like, why are we learning these models? It's, it's, nobody even uses them. Like, <laughs> right. that's ridiculous. Yeah, some of those things are like fillers, like, right? Like, why am I paying this tuition? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So then, so now you're, you've gone through sales or summer sales, then you take that into your, your next job, you become a director, mm-hmm. and then did you move up from there as from director? Yeah, so, so I was director of sales at this marketing agency company. Right. And so the CEO of this company comes to me and says, essentially, we want to go be in tech, right? We want to transition to a tech company. We want to we want to start a tech company. And again, I'm still in school at this time. Still in school. That's crazy. And, and my mom, I can't sleep at night because I'm obsessing over it. Like, oh, how do we do this? And I, w- I want to solve this problem. And, and I find myself going to class doing work, really, mm, on right. my computer. Uh, so that's how I transition. So the C- CEO comes to me, we go start it, and then I drop out mm-hmm. because I felt I'm all in on this. <laughs> right, right. And I want to be great at it. 
and I'm not going to be sitting here for, you know, four hours in class, and then I have to study for exams and write papers, so it's more than four hours. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like probably putting 20 hours in still. Right. I think that's something to highlight, too, because your mindset with pretty much everything in life was, if I'm all in, I'm all in. If I'm not, I'm out, right? Yeah. And a lot of times people don't know when to say, you know what, I, I was all in with this one thing, but I think it's time for me to be all out because it's just not making any sense, right? Because yeah. what some people would say is, well, I told myself I'd finish. I need to make my mom proud or I need to make my family proud and I need to go and you know graduate, right? And so they, they finish out, but really at, at the end, they're not happy, one. And then two, it's like, okay, now you got a piece of paper, but what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Right? And so what was that like for you as far as seeing like, hey, my mentality with this is I'm all in and I'm sure you were like that with school at the beginning, but then at that certain point it was like, Hey, I need to be all out. And now I got to transition that to the, yeah. you know, to this new opportunity that you have. Cause obviously if a CEO of a company comes to you, that's a pretty big opportunity, which, yeah. you know, you took advantage of speak about that a little bit as far as how was that with your mindset or with the transition of going into that new role or yeah. leaving school and whatnot. Like if, if you're being logical about it, I looked at how many hours I was spending with school. This is just back to Lala again. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. But the hours that I was spending in school, I'm thinking how much better could I be getting if I was using those hours, right? So in a logical sense, I just knew right away it's a no-brainer. Right. And, and I think a lot of times we go back and forth with our feelings, right? Our feelings dominate us, but... But I'm a very logical person. That makes sense. And it's also making me way more money. I'm losing money <laughs> sitting here right. is the way mm -hmm. I see it. Coming from an econ you know, major, essentially, that's a sunk cost for anyone who knows econ. Right. But it's sunk. It's like, yeah. why would I do that? You know. So, yes. so when I see that, that's why I felt so confident to say, yeah, I realize I'm not all in. Right. I'm, I'm all in and it's okay right yeah and yeah. it's okay and right. i was willing to have those con or those hard conversations right you know? yeah. perfect so then like um you can go back to how that was explaining that to your mother <laughs> you're married uh, at this time too right yeah so you're married yeah, was your married. husband how how was his reaction to that was he he's very supportive which right, is yep. extremely important that you have a very supportive you know spouse yeah shout out to all the spouses out there who support their you know, spouse in their endeavors. Shout out to my hubby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my mom, um, you know, she, my mom's, she's let us be pretty autonomous, mm -hmm. you know, it was just in the tone of her voice. Yeah. Oh, like, <laughs> and, and okay, then quiet well, pause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, see ya. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily this hard back and forth conversation. Mm -hmm. It was in the tone, in the intonation of her voice. I knew she was disappointed. Now, whether she's going to admit that or not now, because, right. yeah. you know, they live with us. Right. Now. Life's good, right? <laughs> Life's good. But uh, no, it, but I do remember calling my in-laws you know, and telling them that with my husband. And because I'm not as close with them, I felt like they would perceive that to be a failure. <laughs> like, oh, okay. oh, you got to, what, you just married someone who <laughs> wants to go chase their dreams and right, it's right. probably dumb. Yeah. And not that they said that, but I, I that's the story I was telling in my head. Yeah. Right. It was harder to tell my in-laws than it was my, my mom. <laughs> How did they react to it? Did they react the way you thought they, they would or? No, I mean... You know, they, they said, okay. And again, I think it's because I was telling the story in my head, which mm -hmm. oftentimes we do. It's a bigger deal than we think it is. Right. It's not as big a deal. No, no, they, they express, they express support. 
But in the back of my mind, you know, my perception was, man, they probably think I'm stupid. Yeah. I have three right. classes left. Yeah. Like, I, that's what made it harder is there three classes. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> like, right, if right, it was right. two Literally semesters, three. it'd be like, okay. But three classes, it's like, really? Yeah. 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 yeah, that's funny because, like, the reason I wanted to harp on that is I had seen this interview with uh, Kevin Gates. He's uh, talking about, like, a lot of the times your family is, like, the main one that don't believe in your dreams. Like, yeah. one of the bravest things, he said one of the bravest things you can do is believe in yourself. Yeah. And, like, if you let your family, the ones closest to you get to you, you could end up missing out on the dream yeah. that you're supposed yeah. to chase. So, and even even playing off of that, like, when I was doing door knocking, right after that, I actually did an MLM, like, in between. Like, oh, really? throughout. Yeah, okay. I was part of an MLM. Like, and I like, remember. Like a scammer. I don't think it was a scam. <laughs> I really hope it wasn't. <laughs> Those are big out here in Utah, so. <laughs> So I remember my brother and I were playing Monopoly mm-hmm. and my family, we love Monopoly. Right? Mm-hmm. We're playing Monopoly and we're, it's getting heated because we always get heated. And I remember my brother said, as we were getting heated, like at least I have a real job or something like that. Right. <laughs> and I, and it pissed me off. Yeah. Personal. And he doesn't know this. So if he's watching, that's okay. <laughs> but it pissed me off and I'm, you know, I didn't say much. Oh, actually I did say a smart remark, but anyway, I held on to that. And, and that, that's sometimes a weakness, right? It's mm-hmm. like, that's going to fuel me. Like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. Right? And in a way, it could be good, but sometimes to the extent that it's not that sustainable. Right. At some point, you have to do what you do just because it makes you happy not to be proving yeah. other people wrong. But. Yeah. And, and, I, and I call myself out on that. I think I didn't recognize that. Retros, you know, in retrospect, I realized, like, man, I did some things really out of insecurity. It wasn't because I'm like this confident, and that's how people could uh, perceive me. Like I'm just confident, but in reality, it was insecurity to prove myself. To one, that I'm not in, incon- I'm not an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Two, my dad should have been a part of my life. Yeah, and he's gonna regret it. And then three, that little dumb comment, which isn't really on the same level, <laughs> but little things like that, like I'll go get a real job, right? Right, right. Like it pissed me off. Um, and and now I relate to that to so many people who won't talk about that right because in polynesian culture you don't talk about feelings really like yeah. tough it out 100 percent. yeah 100 <laughs> we're not talking about that we're just gonna joke around my mother is a great <laughs> that that's a big yeah. that's a big topic and we probably won't dive too much into it but yeah, yeah that's that's a big thing a lot of people mask their feelings or you know their emotions and whatnot which should be you know revealed i mean that that can help that that helps when someone tells you how they feel and you're able to relate to them, maybe you can give them some tips and sure. ideas on how to overcome those things. So, yeah. which we, as a people, not just Polynesians, that's a lot of people, a lot of cultures yeah. that they, they teach you to mask those emotions, which yeah, shouldn't be. But, yeah. yeah. I only brought that up really to, to tie that into the whole, you know, why is it that we are the way we are? Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes it's out of insecurity and sometimes it's out of confidence and, if we don't recognize that looking back and we learn from it, mm-hmm. you know, every, that's life. That's everybody. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I guess that are we at the end now where now you, the CEO has reached out to you and said, let's start our own company together. And you are, what is your role in I this new company? I become the chief operations officer, which is this fancy title. I kind of hate it. But, but in reality, why I was termed that title is because I would go in and solve different problems in any department. 
okay. whether it be product, whether it be sales, whether it be customer success. I was termed that title so that I could go anywhere in the company to solve an issue mm-hmm. and to be able to scale it, which at the time I felt like I was a fraud. Right. Right. And it's, it's like, why am I called a CEO up? Like, what the? (laughs) Like, you can call me the janitor. Like, that's pretty much what I'm doing. I'm cleaning up messes. And uh, so I I, couldn't see myself that way, but I wanted to. Right. I think that's that's what what I was just about to ask, too, because that's an important point to, you know, talk about is, like, because a lot of times, like, that's how it is for me, you know, working at, like, Google and Amazon. You definitely get that imposter syndrome. Like, feeling like you don't belong there. And... I think a lot of it stems from you look at these people like who are doing things at like the more senior uh, people mm-hmm. and you think like, damn, they got it all figured out. Right. Like, they know exactly what they're doing. But in reality, most of them are figuring it out as they go to. It's very true. Yeah. And so it's a if, great point. Yeah. So if any, any of you are out there, you know, don't you know sleep on yourself, like believe in yourself, you know, pay attention to those details. And, you know, before you know it, you can see yourself in the position of the people you're looking up to. And that, that I mean, perceptions are reality, right? Because yeah. we, we are all our worst critics. Right. So, I mean, it's funny because two years later into this company that we started, we brought on three executives who were all senior at a 700-employee company. Mm-hmm. Three, three executives. They're all senior, seasoned, older, all white men. I'm literally the right, only woman talk. on the team, but but it, it's again they don't see you that way oftentimes. But we tell we tell ourselves that they do. Yeah. Right. right. And so now you're, you're the COO, and you how long are you at this company? Because this company get bought out almost eventually. five years, almost five years. Yeah, from from inception to sell, we ended up selling uh, five years. Nice. And it was a crazy ride. Okay. So the company sold and then did you go with, did you jump over to that company that bought you guys out or, or did no, you sold to? Um, the reason why I chose not to, um, I'm all about, I think all of us are to some extent values. Right. I want to know whoever's buying us, what are your company values? Mm-hmm. Right. And if that didn't strike with me, then I wasn't going to go over. I don't care how big they are. Um, so that therefore I'm not there. Okay. So now you're on at a different company mm-hmm. as the director of a sales team there. Yeah. Um, what what was that like? Because obviously that's that's still a big role. Did you network with people to get into that job? Did you just apply and or how was that process? That's a great question. I forgot about how I got there. So one of uh, one of the employees that I was coaching up mm-hmm. at at my other company, I was coaching him up to be in a director role. So then this, I'm going to name them. That's cool. Divi. I work at Divi. Divi actually tries to poach him. (laughs) So he goes in and he's very transparent with me. He says, hey, they're trying to poach me. I'm going to go interview. I'm like, no problem. So he goes and interviews. And then I get a call from the VP of sales. And I'm like, "What's, what's going on? And I pick up the phone and he's like, hey, we were interviewing for your guy, but then he brought up how awesome you are. And I'm not. This sounds so arrogant, but he's like, yeah, he's, then he brought up that you're actually the person we should be interviewing and all this. And it shocked me. Right. I'm like, what the heck would he do that for? Right. <laughs> Why does he just interview? You know? So that's actually how it started. So for 10 months, uh, they were trying to poach me from, from my company and I just kept saying no until it was the right time. 
Right. Wait, who, who is this guy that you're? This is the owner of the. Who's the guy you're talking about that was interviewing? Uh, one of the people I was uh, coaching up. He's, he's not the CEO. He, I was coaching him into a director role. Right. As a COO, my mm-hmm. job was to make sure that we put the right people in the right seats. Right. So I was coaching him for a good two years nice. to, to be able to be competent enough to sit in that role to head, head up a team. So as he's trying to be poached, for whatever reason, he brings me up in mm-hmm. that interview, which, again, that, that, that's why it's so important. When you're great in your own role, that's your brand. Right. Like your brand is you anywhere you go. Yeah. And when people are willing to talk about you, which I didn't say, hey, go in there and talk about me. Right, like, right. Uh, that's that's actually how it started. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's what I wanted to harp on is like when you really doing your thing out there, your reputation precedes you and like your name will get out there and opportunities will come to you. Yeah. Nice. OK, so, um, you know, in wrapping up a little bit, um, one thing we always like to do is to go back and kind of revisit things like knowing where you are now. Cause like a lot of times people, um, you know, see successful people and they don't really know about the challenges they had to overcome. So maybe you could touch on a little bit of some of the challenges, you know, that you had to overcome during your journey that you truly appreciate now, now that you've you know made it to the other side. Sure. Being broke in college, right. Um, <laughs> And living paycheck to paycheck even prior to that. I, I, man, we have it good now. I, I'm, we're really blessed. And I don't forget, there, does, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't appreciate it because of where I was in college. Now, to paint the story there, I used to go and donate plasma twice a week just so that I could pay for my groceries. Right? And sometimes I go negative and then I get the stupid fee. <laughs> $36, by the way, I still remember. <laughs> and I'm like, dang it. I go donate again. Um, but I remember it would be to the extent that I was willing to do whatever it took, right? But I was also broke. And, and things aren't always, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Like, it doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, this is a process, right? It's daily, daily. And um, it's why I appreciate so much what I have today. It's why I can relate to a lot of the employees that I, that right. I have who do struggle um, but, but outside of that, I mean, I remember I used to have a locker at BYU. It was like five bucks a month and I, it was worth it because I would keep bread in there <laughs> and I would keep bread and, and goober. I love goober, but, but my groceries would cost exactly 50 bucks a month and I, and I planned it all out and that's all I'd eat. Wow. All right. So I'd say, come back to your question. I appreciate so much those struggles because you don't know how good you have it until you know what it feels like till it's bad. Right. So, so appreciate them. I wouldn't give those moments up for a million dollars. Right. What, what would you say to yourself? You can be your 14 year old self, your 18 year old self back when those times were hard, the things that you know now, what would you say to yourself then that you think would, would help you or, or boost you forward a little bit more? I want to share a quick, quick story of fiction and I'll I'll share that because it'll relate. Um, when, so there's a story of fiction that I, I heard a long, long time ago. Two guys, they are tasked with going and selling shoes in the city. It's fiction. So these two guys go to the city, and nobody has shoes on. Right? One of the one of the men say, "Dang, I can't sell." Right? The other guy says, "Hell yeah, I'm gonna sell." Right? And so the message that I want to share that I would have shared with my younger self is that. The problem is not the problem a lot of times. 
It's your, the problem is your perception, right? Right, right? In that story, there's a principle that therein that lies. The city is no different. They're approaching the same city. One of them goes and sells, and then the other one doesn't. One of them sees it as an advantage and an opportunity. Right. The other one sees it as, well, can't do anything, right? And so it is with life. And if I were, you know, if I could tell my younger self even back to high school that it's, it's here, and then it's here, right? Uh, it's not about the money. It's just like Lala said, it's not about the money. It's about expecting greatness out of yourself. Mm-hmm. And our people are so talented, so talented. It, and it baffles me sometimes, and it frustrates me, I frustrate myself, uh, when we don't expect that out of ourselves, right. right? Kobe just passed, and you see the legacy that he left behind. Mm-hmm. And the legacy he left behind was to be great. Male, female, white, black, brown, yellow. Like, you can be great. And our people have these natural abilities and gifts, whether it be athletic, right? It could be you're just naturally smart. You could sing, right? But but our people, I believe, in a lot of ways, growing up in the Bay Area and then in Arizona, being in a heavily populated, you know, Samoan culture, I'm full Samoan, you see people not giving themselves the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that stems from they don't expect enough out of themselves. Like, hold yourself to a higher standard, and it's because of the way you perceive yourself. Right. Right? The problem's not, damn, I got an 8 to 5, I'm never going to go anywhere. The problem is the way you see that. Right. Right? Um, so that's, why I, that's the message I want to share. Sure. Yeah, that, that's definitely, I can resonate with me because that was a big motivation for me to, with starting the podcast, right? Yeah. Because like, I don't think a lot of people really understand that it all starts here. Like in whatever situation you're in that you want to get out of, it all starts here because you got to win in here first before you can win sure. like in real life. And so yeah. that's why I love like being able to talk to people and hear their stories because, you know, yeah, we're telling this story about how you became a director of sales, but this ain't really a story of how to become a director yeah. of sales. This is a story of how to, you know, chase your dream and how to, you know, make a goal and reach it, how to, you know, pay attention to details and build yourself up little by little and how to be your best self. Right. right. And so, yeah, these are the kind of things that, you know, I want to be able to share with our people and like being able to hear from our own people. Like, and, uh, it's definitely very powerful. And so what, what are, what would you say some of your passions are in life? And the only reason why I asked that you could think about it because the only reason why I asked that is because I know the answer right away. Okay. It's making (laughs) someone else's life better. Making someone else's life. If you're not making someone else's life better, you're wasting your time. Right. That's my passion. Now, whatever medium you use to do that, great. You could, you know, be a tattoo artist. Think about how Lala talked about making people happy. right. Right. If you're not making someone else's life better, you are wasting your time. And that's my passion. My passion is not money. It's not a nice house. It's not a nice car, right? It's what it takes to get that. That process you fall in love with daily is because throughout that journey, you have to meet people. You can't do it on your own. Eventually, at some point in time, you will realize none of us can do it on our own. Right. Right. Awesome. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah. I just, I, and the only reason why I asked that is because uh, one of the good podcasts that I watch a lot, and he, he talks about just sharpening your skills right and so a lot of times people won't be able to pursue their passions and make you know an income off of it or whatnot and so the other thing you can do is is make sure you sharpen your skills and i feel like for you 
paying attention to details was, was your skill. Yeah. And, and that has helped you to get to where you are today. Yeah. But in return, your passion of helping others also played a role in that for as sure. well. So it made that, that great, uh, perfect medium there. But yeah, thank you so much, Amber, for being on our Thanks show guys. today. Thanks we really appreciate me. that. Um, Love what you guys are doing. Thank yeah. you so much. Awesome. Yeah, we, we there, really appreciate it. Is there, um, how can people like, you know, reach out to you? Maybe they, they want to. Yeah, if you want to help, they got to be able to reach you. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, I know. In fact, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I would love, if you're looking for career opportunities, especially here in Utah, I have a pretty big network. So if you're looking to be in the tech space, you know, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. You can find me on Amber Johnson or Amber Iono Johnson. You can find me there. Um, my, man, I can't remember my, I don't go on Instagram a lot. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me my Instagram handle is Amber Iono Johnson. Okay. So you hit me up on those two. Uh, seriously, I, I, my goal this year is to be more involved in the Polynesian community with nice. helping, you know, we need more heroes, right? Yeah, yeah, Brown definitely. ones. Like we got white ones, definitely. black ones. Moana's sure. the first. Right. <laughs> don't forget <laughs> The Rock. Yeah. Oh, The Rock. <laughs> he'll be here eventually. Yeah. He, he don't know it yet, but he'll yeah. be here. <laughs> Again, Viewers, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, any feedback that you have, any suggestions of who we should bring on the show, please leave a comment, DM us, whatever you know your, your preference is on, on how to contact us. If you haven't already, please like, share, subscribe to our YouTube video. Um, and like we always say, find ways to be prolific. Yo, Concrete, you made this? <laughs>